Hello, Erica. Hello, Stephen. This is Lazy Doctor Who, a Doctor Who podcast on the Incomparable Network where we watch Doctor Who at our own pace and talk about it afterwards. Mm-hmm. I'm Stephen. <laughs> And I'm er- what? What is happening? I just it's I don't know. Sometimes it's nice to sort of say, "Hey, here's our podcast, and this is what it is." And so for all those people jumping in on episode two of the Time Monster, you never know. And three, uh, you never know. I mean, people just say, "Hey, let's just check out the latest one," because uh-huh. not everyone like binge watches every uh, you know uh, every and then listen to a podcast from the very beginning. So, so here we are. This is it for all of you bunches of people who are jumping in. At yeah. this uh, at this time, welcome. We just watched episodes uh, two and three of the Time Monster. We did because it's long weekend in Canada and the state states too, right? You have yeah, and uh, usually we um, <laughs> we only watch Doctor Who on long weekends. It seems as of late, but we watched two episodes today. Yep, so far. Yeah, the Time Monster parts two and three, the infamous Time Monster, which has been built up a lot. I imagine it's been built down. Built down a, a lot of well, I know that Liz, your co-host on Verity, adores it. Uh-huh. Many others do not, so uh, that's why I was curious what was to what the what what you were expecting. I guess. Well, I mean, Liz is has always been clear that she loves this story, right. not so much that she would put it at the top of lists of like the greatest Doctor Who story of all time. Right, favorite, not best, mm-hmm. sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Um, I mean, I'm sure she rates it more highly than some people do, mm-hmm. but uh, I was really quite enjoying it until partway through episode three um yeah like i was just like this is interesting there's a there's a um, you know interesting master plot he's trying to do something wacky with time um you get to see the brigadier being all tough and cool and stuff ordering people around wasn't a great scene he basically like tells the men from the ministry go away don't tell anyone Mm -hmm. and then tells percival here's what's gonna happen i like when he's actually like you know so uh like quoting the uh, exact um, measure of the War Measures Act or something that he's taking in charge of it. I thought, what a great brigadier scene. Yeah, yeah. that was a wonderful brigadier scene. It's yeah. such a shame that some of the other ones that followed were <laughs> much less so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, sorry, I cut you off there as you're... Oh, well, that's that's a, a good place yeah. to go next is that I got annoyed by the brigadier having um, Stephen Taylor disease. Uh <laughs> Like you've seen the doctor for years um, doing all kinds of amazing things. And suddenly you don't believe the things that he's saying. And, you know, he's making this gadget out of a wine bottle and stuff, which is, you know, that's a fun prop to do. Um, But the brigadier's like, I insist you stop playing these childish games at once. Did he suddenly get hit on the head and forget everything that he knows about the doctor? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like earlier on, he was being a tough guy and like that was cool. And then suddenly he turns into, because remember Steven used to do that all the time. No, Vicky, that's totally impossible. That can't have happened, even though I just traveled through time. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. I was wondering where, where you're going with Steven. I just watched uh, episode six of The Chase last night mm-hmm. during my uh, epic three-year pilgrimage. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the Steven Taylor era is about to begin. And now I'm going to start watching it yep. a lot more closely now that you mentioned this. Yeah, yeah you're going to see him many times right. after after he should already recognize that time travel and things beyond his imagination are mm-hmm. possible. You're going to see him insist that they are impossible many times. To be fair, no. The, oh, well, I'm just saying <laughs> the brigadier hasn't actually. He's always sort of been on the outside, like, okay, I'm on the outside. There's there's some guys I got to shoot, but he's never actually like been caught up in time nonsense before. 
But he, especially in season seven, he comes to sort of a recognition with the doctor that the doctor knows what he's talking about and that the doctor is a trustworthy person. And the brigadier and Liz and the doctor were like this great trio who all relied on each other and trusted each other to, you know, have the the strengths that each one displays Mm -hmm. in their in their work and their lives. And here he is just suddenly it's all gone. I know what you mean. It, it's like for the you know for the benefit of the viewing audience, mm-hmm. there needs to be like if everyone was in on this, the fact that the doctor is making this weird wine bottle cork spinny thing that lights up stuff. If no one was asking what it was, then we would have season seven and it would be wonderful. <laughs> I don't think I don't think the doctor would have made that kind of contraption <laughs> in season seven. You know, which yeah. honestly, when, when it comes down to it. Bit of a waste of time. Absolutely nothing happens. He sits there and it like it. Oh, it glows a little bit mm-hmm. for crosses to go, to stand back at the exact moment he was about to grab for it. But then the master just hits a switch and it blows up, and that was it. And that wasted like five minutes. I would rather see that than a gunfight or a chase scene any day of the week. It's the doctor <laughs> doing science. True. He's being. He's being. Is it, is it science? It's yeah, absolutely. Tea leaves being the uh, the key element to. Uh, Hey, I don't understand it. It's way beyond my ken, and I'm I trust the doctor the way the brigadier should. T has like I'm thinking the uh, regeneration uh, synapses were sort of kicked in with T leaking into the TARDIS floor during the Christmas invasion mm-hmm. when David Tennant's doctor has just started. Mm-hmm. Uh, a the um what is it now the uh, infinite impossibility drive and Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy was. Uh, the the final ingredient was a nice bracing hot cup of tea. I know you're not a fan of it, but I'm just stating for the record. Okay. Um, and I feel like in the Awakening, they also talk about tea. So so I feel like t- tea is the power of the universe. And here, obviously, it can it's the final element to be able to disrupt a time experiment. I mean, it is a much more important substance in <clears throat> British. Uh, society than it is here. Yes. So I, f- I think that's just a nice little emblematic touch to show, yes, this is a British program. Tea is important to us. So here we're putting the teacup up at the top. Although I was like, wow, the doctor dr- drank that really fast. But I guess he's a time lord. He can handle the heat. I suppose so. Maybe it was just, well, there's a lot of milk in it. I that's did see Stu, yeah. who is suddenly better now. He was old and now he's better. There was a time feedback loop. They yep. said that. I know. They didn't really deal with it much after like, oh, you're better. Like, I, I thought when Ruth came back, oh, Stu, you're young again. But that never really, like, they seem to they seem to get over it pretty quick. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it maybe would have been nice if we would have spent a little bit of t- more time on that, mm-hmm. uh, on him being relieved, uh, that sort of thing. Then, you know, maybe a little less time building the wine bottle sciencey thing but i still I, I still defend that sequence because it's the doctor trying something right now they're waiting for the tardis they can't actually take any big action because nope. they it would be suicide they would all die uh-huh. so he's doing what little he can in the meantime and he's hoping that this little gadget will slow the master down long enough for the tardis to arrive it doesn't but he there's he doesn't necessarily have any way of knowing that the True. master can just override it that quickly um, and it it gained them a little bit of time this is like this all of this except for the brigadier's carping um is all in the bits where i'm still thumbs up on board with this story so it's just the brigadier because uh, he does you know spoiler alert he does seem to get a little stupider as the unit year goes on and it's a shame because you see like that great sequence on location oddly enough yet then he gets into studio mm-hmm. and he's dumb as a brick because joe is now much smarter than any other 
uh, you know, normal Earth-based assistant. Mm-hmm. And the other two, you know, Stu and uh, Ruth are obviously involved in this time stuff. Mm-hmm. So the only person to play the Dumbo in this mm-hmm. is the Brigadier. And so by default, he asks, has to ask the dumb questions. I know. I'm not happy about it either. I I think the idea that you need to have somebody to ask those questions mm-hmm in a foolish manner like that is ridiculous. That is wrong. Yep. And Robert Sloman is wrong for doing it. And Barry Letts. Yes, and Barry Letts, but his name isn't on it. I know that, but let's, you know, this is a whole thing. I mean, this Barry Letts wasn't necessarily involved setting up season seven because he came in halfway through. Uh, and then he changes the direction of the show for series eight. And mm. he makes it a little less scientists know everything so you know there's no reason to explain it to the viewer and so he sort of inserts the the characters asking questions and it's more often the brigadier now also a good writer is able to do the explanations for the audience without having somebody be just you know an empty-headed nincompoop about it and i think that they did a good job with that in season seven because no matter how smart any of the other people around him are the doctor in these stories is always the one that's the smartest. He always knows the most. So having Ruth, a scientist whom I quite like, I like her, uh, asking questions still makes sense. And in, if it's a a thing that she should understand because she is a scientist, then it can just be phrased like, Oh, you're doing this because X, Y, Z. And it would flow and it would feel so much better. And you would not absolutely like nerf the coolness of the Brigadier in the middle of episode three of a six part story. (laughs) That's a very good point. Mm -hmm. Yep. You could have had Ruth asking the questions less, almost basically have Ruth play the Liz Shaw proxy here. And uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, I see what you mean here. Yep. Yeah. So like there's just, there's really no need for the Brigadier to be such a fool. Mm -hmm. Um, Also... Then we get into the. Here's my other complaint. Right. <laughs> Listening about no, what the hell is the, like. I was okay. The the time nonsense is, is really starting to like really started to bother me at the end there. The <laughs> the jouster and yeah. the roundheads. Yeah. No. Um. I was okay up until that point. Uh. The uh, Chronos. Yep. I will admit. Yes. <clears throat> looks ridiculous. <clears throat> but you know what? This is Doctor Who. They didn't have a great budget. I am a firm defender, a staunch defender of the Merca. So I feel like I have not a leg to stand right. on when I'm talking about like ridiculous looking costumes and things in Doctor Who. And that the the effect with the, the lighting yeah. was actually pretty cool. It reminded me a little bit of uh, the Angel Islington, Peter Capaldi in Neverwhere. So mm-hmm. that was that was nice. Um, so front axial projection for the I don't know if it was front axial projection here. here? Mm-hmm. I don't remember when the first use of that was anyway. That's just me wondering the history of visual effects. <laughs> uh, but so, yeah. So while it it was a kind of silly looking costume, I have no problem with that. Everything up until that point was fine. But then the master can somehow, from a distance, mm-hmm. bring forward in time a jouster and also mind control that jouster from a distance and have him just run down some trucks, which are things he's never seen before, uh, and then bring a whole squadron of, of roundheads and, and have them also just fight Yeah, and not be like, whoa, what happened to us? Why did we, like, why are we here right now? Who are these people? No, they're just doing the thing that they're doing. Mm-hmm. 
I know it's like their in their inbuilt instinct is to just shoot or charge at whatever is in front of them, like they're robots or creatures. Like I can headcanon it to say that he's okay. So the master literally just took them out of time, but didn't somehow somehow left their perception back in the time that they were in. So they're seeing all of the things that they should have been. Right. But that really is a too big of a stretch, and I don't I don't dig it. So I'm I'm worried that uh, here in the middle of this story. Like I'm finally starting to see the the things that people don't like about it because I was really on board. I was like, no, this is a good story so far. And at this point, I'm like, oh no, that's not okay. That's not okay. even even bringing the guy forward in time from Atlantis, even uh-huh. though we've seen a different Atlantis. <clears throat> right. Like, okay, fine, whatever. That annoys me to no end. Uh-huh. But uh, the way that they did it seemed seemed cool. Like, okay, at least they've got uh, you know some time travel stuff. There's a crystal. I like crystals. That's a great prop. I'm I'm on board with a lot of this, but there are some things that are not as good. Spoiler alert: there might be more stuff for you to get annoyed about as this story moves on. Yeah, I'm I'm worried about that, but uh, but I I will still call out the good parts when I see them, and there have been a lot of them. I love Stu's uh, Stu's room. It's a nice room, isn't it? That's a great Got set. It. Like you know, and you get a little bit of like the three dimensionality because you know you come in the door and you're a little bit higher, and then there's like the sunken bedroom area. Yeah slash living room and the shelves in the middle and like I would I would live in a room like that that's cool it's got like an Ikea vibe to it mm-hmm. Elton John poster on the wall like it's yeah. very hip what mm-hmm. Doctor Who has just entered the 1970s proper like culture mm-hmm. they're just embracing the culture at this point yeah mm-hmm. yeah like Joe's boots are very uh, they, they, yep. <laughs> she dressed to match Bessie she said yes right the, the exact same shade of yellow mm-hmm. um, Sergeant Benton we are very impressed with him up until the point when he, we weren't impressed with him, but that was a pretty, pretty cool Benton moment. Yeah, I was, I was really interested. I was like, okay, that's weird. He just opened the window before he left. I didn't understand it, and then he came around and climbed in, and I was like, holy bowl, holy buttons, holy, holy bowls, buckets. I don't know why. I don't know what I was trying to say there. Right, holy balls. I don't know. Holy hopscotch. <laughs> anyway, I was very impressed by him, and that was. I thought that was really cool. But then sort of, you know, our good old Benton came back by getting too close to the do- uh, master and letting the master get too close to him and, and uh, punch him in and knock him out. He should have shot him. <laughs> Just blew him up mm-hmm. right there. Blam, blam. Yep. Yep. He should have. That mm-hmm. would have that would have been the smart thing. But uh, but for a moment, we had some, some cool Bentoning. That's true. Mm-hmm. Bit of brief moments. Um, what else? I, I, I must speak about um, good Brigadier moments. Um, at the very end of episode three, the cliffhanger, it was very, uh, it, it felt much more bigger because, much more bigger, mm-hmm. because, you know, he's going, Yates, can you hear me? Yates, Yates. And then at the end, he goes, Mike. He calls him Mike. Mm-hmm. Suddenly the ranks have dropped. Now he's just worried about his friend and, you know, and underling a little bit. I thought that was a very telling little moment. Yeah, that was not I didn't actually notice that. Thank you yeah. for pointing that out. But I did think that Nicholas Courtney's, um, performance was was very good in that in that moment yeah on film he's great he's great actually he's he's a great location brigadier but in studio he suffers i think that's what we've determined here 
Yeah, you're right. So far. Now I'm going to watch every scene from now on and be like, okay, is it, does it still break down that way for the, the rest of the three episodes? It might not just be for the Brigadier. It might be for other characters. Atlantis currently uh, exists on film only being shot at Ealing um, as we've been easing into the bits about the time monster that I'm looking forward to seeing your reaction to. <laughs> uh, it, uh, obviously, we're leading up to maybe going into Atlantis. That's where the Master certainly wants to go. I don't think it's all going to be on on film there but uh yeah it didn't mm-hmm. it didn't uh it didn't seem as atlantean yet to me uh but i'm trying not to no to, to spoil it here or anything yeah but yeah i did wonder about that i noticed that atlantis was all on, on film and i was like wow is all of atlantis going to be on film i didn't i didn't really have a big hope for that but we'll see yeah i think probably they did that because they didn't want to use the studio space for like one or two scenes here or there um, and so they probably just used, you know, all that. Anyway, this, this, this is the stuff that fast, you know, me, mm-hmm. I'm interested in how they film things. I was actually going to ask you where they filmed that. If that was on a location somewhere with, you know, really cool corridors and columns and stuff or no, no just... Ealing, Ealing film studio, maybe just because of, <clears throat> excuse me, um, because of studio space, because of the cool torches that you thought they had. I love those torches. They yeah. were, they were really good, you know, skinny enough at the bottom, like conical so that you can hold mm-hmm. onto them easily. And then they fan out so that you can get actually like a decent amount of, uh, of flame at the top there. I was just really worried that that old guy was going to burn his wig. Yeah. <laughs> maybe that's why they thought, let's shoot this at Ealing just in case George yeah. Cormac burns through that wig of his. <laughs> I was thinking, is it the same torch as used on Peladon in The Curse of Peladon? Because they had torches in that episode, too, in which they were freely whipping those things about in the BBC TV center studios, too. So it was dangerous. We need to find a picture of this or yeah. bring up those episodes because I want to say no. My gut says, uh-uh. No. Uh, well, maybe we should keep an eye on, on Torch Watch, just like the walls in The Mutants... Um, remember I, the yes. pattern? I, I'm pointing it out only because I have, we obviously haven't seen it yet in this story, but I did watch episode six of Blake seven, Ooh. season one the other night, and it shows up there, and that's from 1978. <laughs> so six years after the time monster, mm-hmm. it shows up. It might not take that long for it to show up again in Doctor Who. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else about the time monster parts two and three? I think the master's way cool. Uh, yeah. uh, sitting there like doing his sums, mm-hmm. smoking a cigar, calling Percival and you, you, you're an interfering dolt. <laughs> that was that was that was classic, classic master. And he had a, a great line too that I want that I that you said that you would screen cap for me I will. later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what did he say? Something of you have nothing intelligent to say. Then please keep silent or yes. something like that. Yep, it was yeah. basically that. Yeah, and I feel like that could be with a with the captions on. Obviously, that uh, just a screenshot of that would be really useful on Twitter. Lots and lots and lots. Yep. It shall be done. Mm-hmm. Doctor Who once again comes through for us. Um, anything else about these two episodes you want to say before we sign off for now? No, I think we covered all of the things that I felt strongly about, which were sadly mostly bad. But right. but honestly, when you think about it, like the amount of Doctor Who that we watched, yep. an episode and a half, it's really only half an episode that ticked me off. So the first you know, two and a half episodes, that's almost half of the story, are all thumbs up for America. Well, we'll see how we do <laughs> in the following the following three episodes of the Time Monster mm-hmm. serial code O O O. It's magic. It's a song um, from the nineteen seventies. Time magic. Time magic with the Time Monster. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, until next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.